Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. We just love you guys and we appreciate all that you do to support us every month in Haiti. It's a it's a lifeline. It's a lifesaver. We could not be there without your support in doing that. And we are so grateful to each one of you for having a part of changing the face of a nation. Amen. And, um, you know, a few weeks ago in our church, we had a, we've had tremendous miracles. We had an angel, seven angels show up. Heaven opened up. The house was filled with light and glory from heaven. And seven angels dumped bowls of healing and deliverance over people, and it was in gold color, and it flowed from the top of their head to their feet. And those, some of those were delivered, some of those were saved, some of those came off the street as they passed by, they were drawn in by the Holy Spirit, and they were touched miraculously, never to be the same. And no, that seems to be, in Haiti, um, a norm, <laughs> Because people are desperate for God. People are hungry for Him. And people have problems that you wish you'd never had in your life. You hope you never have the problems they have. So, you know, really you should think, my problems are nothing. And most of the problems that you create here, and I don't want to be nasty, but uh, you create in your own making. Because you put yourself in a wrong place at the wrong time. You make a wrong decision, you override the Holy Spirit, he tells you to do one thing, and you say, no, I know better, I'm going to do this. Then after you make a big mess, you come to him, and he has to deliver you, and he has to set you free, and then you have to work through all the crud that you've been through because of your own disobedience, and you ask God, why me? Well, why you? Because you did it, and you had a choice to make. So this morning, I really want to go a little bit deeper. I don't want to offend anybody, but if I do, it should help you grow a little bit because uh, time is short. And each one of you have a call, a destiny, and a purpose that's ordained by God himself for you. You have to see yourself that it's me and God and stop thinking about other people and stop comparing yourself to other people and what they do, good things, bad things, or whatever, in between things. Stop comparing yourself to your own spiritual growth with somebody else. If you do that, you will stay in a place. You'll only grow as far as they allow you to grow because you will not let yourself go into your destiny. I don't care what your age is this morning. But you have a destiny. Yes, absolutely. And you were born for a reason. You were born for a divine order of God to see something in a great dimension happen in your life. You weren't born to get your repenter wore out and just continue the same thing and repent and go through it again and repent. You're not the scum of the world. And you should not live like you're the scum of the world. And you should not relate to the world because they don't relate to you. If you think you're going to gain any success from this world, it will only leave you empty. It'll leave you 
frustrated. You'll be betrayed. You'll be lied about. You'll be hurt. You'll be left alone empty. And after your whole life is gone, you'll find out one thing. There's only one person that will stand with you through everything in life, and that's Jesus. There's only one person that will help you through every situation, and that's the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. In everything that you do, there is a way. And one of my favorite coined uh, sayings is, for me to fail is for God to fail, and God never fails. And you have to think that way. For me to fail is for God to fail, and God never fails. He lives inside of me. He directs me. He guides me. He comforts me. He helps me. I've learned in a very lonely place where it's just me or my wife or just me by myself. There's nobody to call for counseling. There's nobody to call for prayer. There's nobody to call to get encouraged. Who's your encourager? The Holy Spirit. Who's your helper? The Holy Spirit. Who will always bring you out of a mess if you listen? The Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want to open in prayer before we get started. We haven't started yet. We're going to get into the Word. And we're going to talk about something of destiny, of going through. Your church is about ready to go to another level. You're going to make a move. And the move requires a different way of thinking. It doesn't, it doesn't fit with the old thing that you're used to, and you're all going to be uncomfortable. Father, we pray in Jesus' name this morning that our ears would be open to hear the truth and our eyes of our understanding would see the light and the glory of Christ, that we would see by visions and by prayer of what you want to do, and we would have confirmations by the Spirit and your old men shall see visions and dream dreams, and your young men shall go forth with power and anointing and strength. And we shall be a church, a church without spot or wrinkle, a church without judgment, a church that will perform and do the will of God. Father, even if nobody else wants to do it, I will do it. Each one of us says in our heart, I will obey God. I will trust in him. I will move with him. I will obey him. I will believe him. Amen. And each one of us, God, make a, a heart search now. Then say, is there anything in my life that's not pleasing to God? Is there any repetitive, repeated thing that keeps me away from God? Is there something in my life that frustrates the plan of God from him fulfilling my destiny, that I would keep God from moving in my life. Father, I search my heart, and I ask you now, if there's anything there, forgive me. Wash me with your blood. Deliver me from small faith. Deliver me from fear. Deliver me from insecurities. Deliver me from the things of the past, of how they were done yesterday. Pull me out of my rut, Lord God, that I can go a deeper dimension with you. Pull me out of the ditch of religion. Pull me out of the, the ways that are weak and bring me to the high places that are strong. Help me to trust you, obey you, believe in you. Speak about the impossible things that are possible with you. See visions from heaven and obey 
and see and trust those things and not give up, but press through, Father. We bless you. We honor you. And we worship your holy name. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, one of the greatest things I have, we have a lot of problems in our church, but one of the greatest things that I love about the youth in our church is they love to pray. They totally love to pray. Can we have a prayer meeting, Pastor? I don't want a day. I mean, I want a three-day lockdown, lock-me-up-in-the-church prayer meeting. And we don't need food. We just need water. I just want to, we just want to pray, Pastor. I mean, if you have youth that know how to pray, you don't have to talk about prayer. You see prayer. You live it. You make other people hungry to know God. You make other people hungry to expect God to move. You know, when you pray, not for yourself, but when you pray for others and you pray for a nation and you pray for, for governments to change, things begin to happen in your own life that you don't have any needs that you need to pray for. And I don't know why I'm going here right now, but most of our prayers are all about me. It's all about what I, I need prayer. I, 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 I need prayer. What about praying for somebody else? What about just thanking God for what he's already done for you and helping the babies through to bring them to a prayer life to believe God instead of always having to run to somebody to have prayer? What about having everybody in the church on a level of prayer where they believe God, trust God, and they're looking for people to pray because they can't find anybody in the church that needs prayer because everybody's praying. (laughs) And that comes through prayer. So... I think you can say amen for that. It's all right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you in testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling My preaching, my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Let's stop there for a minute. In Paul's experience, which we call one of the greatest transformations from persecutor to deliver of the faith. The Apostle Paul even says his own, his own understanding, in my weakness, in my insecurities, I had to trust in God to believe that he was the one that gave me the ability that when I opened my mouth, I would preach his word. And many of you today think, I don't have a calling to preach. I don't have an understanding to preach. It's not me. I don't have the ability. I'm timid. I'm insecure. I've got a lot of hang-ups myself. How can I preach to somebody else? I'm always focusing on my weaknesses. 
Can you imagine the Apostle Paul or, or Peter focusing on their, their persecutions of Christ or their denial that he knew Christ that, you know, after Jesus died on the cross and, and was, was in the grave and Peter denied that he even knew Jesus three times? Do you think that if Peter lived on that, on that denial experience of Christ that he could be one of the rocks of the church and one of the most powerful prophetic voice in that time and that land uh, to go forth and raise the dead. If he thought about how he denied Jesus, I mean, most of us would be a basket case for a long time if we denied the one who rose from the dead yeah. and we didn't want to believe him even when Jesus said, you'll deny me three times before the cock crows tonight. Right. Oh, not me. Never. You may say, not me, never, but your heart has a weak spot that you don't really trust God. You just say with your mouth you do. Anybody here? My weakness, he says in verse 3, I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not wise and persuasive words, but here's the key, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. What is able to deliver you? The power of God. What is able to save you? The power of God. What is able to bring you from death to life? The power of God. Who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think? The power of God. Who is able to raise you off of your deathbed? The power of God. We had a guy, a Haitian guy, about a year and a half, two years ago, who was not supposed to be doing what he did. He climbed up on an electrical post. We redid the electrical in our house. And he was going to help us by switching the main switch over on the high voltage line, which was like 750 volts or something like that. It was a high voltage. And... He had hung on to the, to, the, to the pole next to the switch, and it arced him as the ground, and he was electrocuted, and smoke was come out of his mouth. He fell 17 and a half feet down in a hole, and he, he, he was dead. He was physically dead. He was not a believer. He was a neighbor that just wanted to show off that he could help too, but he didn't have any knowledge about electricity, so... Not a smart thing to do. So he was dead. And we had a team of people from uh, Pittsburgh there. And uh, everybody saw he was dead. He had no heartbeat. His tongue was sticking out. His smoke, smoke was still coming out of his mouth because his insides were burned up. He was dead. My wife and I began to pray in tongues. And we began to proclaim, he'll live and not die. We began to pray in the spirit, and we proclaimed life into him. We called life in him. We broke the spirit of death over him. And if he would have died, it would have been my fault, and I would have been sued because it happened on my property. Not that that matters, but what God did was raise him up. Awesome. Yes, raised him from the dead in front, of, in front of thousands of witnesses. Outside my market door, there's thousands of people selling wares out there, and they all saw a man die, 
and come back to life and walk into a car and took him to the hospital. I mean, that's the kind of God I like. That's the kind of God that says, you know, I come not with you enticing words. It's not a preaching I need. It's not a message. It's a power. It's a name. It's an anointing. It's a faith. It's a believing and taking control of the situation in the spirit and not flipping out in the natural. In each one of us every day have an opportunity to not flip out in the natural. And not make it about you, but step out in faith and proclaim and dare to believe God that he is able and willing and will. He's just waiting for you. Right. you know, most of the time we're asking God, well, I'm just waiting on you. No, God's waiting for you. Yeah. You're the baby. You're the insecure one. He didn't make you that way. You put yourself in that place and sat in a pity party yes. wondering how God was going to pull you out of the mess you put yourself in. <laughs> Repent. Believe, receive, and go straight with God. You know, the reason I don't find many churches I like is because I want to be offended when I go to church. I love to get offended so that it shakes me. Oh, really? I, I, I really, oh, I didn't, oh, that's good. <laughs> I needed that. Because without somebody offending or challenging you, you just think you're okay. And you, you just never grow. You're just always staying the same, and you just never go ahead. And you become worse. You become unaffected and unproductive in the kingdom of God, and you lose vision, and you lose your first love, and you lose the things that you were promised and that you stood for so long. It's like you give up life, and you're sucked away and enticed by the things of this world, and you become part of a system that's, that, that makes you think you're okay because everybody else is doing it. You're not okay like that. You're sick, and you need deliverance, and you need healing. You're spiritually sick. And that's why many of us are sick. That's why we're, we're not living in divine health. It's because we don't believe God. Some of you eat the wrong stuff, and we're all too fat, but we had to change that. Now, there's are certain things that we do to kill ourselves, but then there's another point that we, we, we almost like to talk about our weaknesses because we relate more to other people that way and we always have to face a challenge when we say something good about God. Oh, really? How do you know that? Oh, really? Is that true? Oh, I don't understand how that could be. I've never experienced that and you probably never will either. There's a situation in your life that we face every single day that we have to push through. Be, put yourself in a place to be uncomfortable. Put yourself in your faith to be uncomfortable. If you're not going to do that, you're not going to grow. Because you'll just stay the same where you're comfortable. I don't, know if, I don't feel comfortable in that church. I don't feel comfortable with, uh, I don't. You'll never feel comfortable and go on with God. So this morning, the title of the message is going ahead with God. It's leaving the old things behind and pressing towards the new things. Yeah. Verse Six, very important to go on with this before I go on to something else. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But the wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. Verse 7. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom 
a wisdom that has been hidden and that God's destined for our glory before time began. Just stop right there. God destined his glory to become your glory. You have glory. You have an anointing. You have a presence of God on your life. You don't have to wait for his presence. You walk in his presence. You walk with a glow. You walk with wisdom. You walk with an anointing. When you walk into a room, people will say, oh, there's an aura about you. They don't know what's the anointing. They just say it's an aura. You know, they, there's a glow on you. They don't understand what they see is the glory that comes from God. And that glory comes from your putting your place of believing him and getting closer to heaven. The important thing is that we understand his ways are higher than your ways. And as Paul says, I know nothing. Yeah. Even though he's a pretty smart guy, he says, I know nothing. Yes. Even though he, he had the Bible memorized before he came to Christ, I know nothing. So everybody say humility. humility. Say it again, humility. Humility. Yeah. humility opens the door to hear. If you're not humble, you're not going to hear. If you think you know better than God and you always tell God how he has to answer your prayers, God, do this, do this, do this, do this. Well, that's not the way he wants to do it. If you're always telling God how he has to do what you want him to do, you might as well not pray. He doesn't hear anything like that. Not at all. He hears prayers of faith. God is the God of faith, and he honors faith. God is steadfast. God is faithful. God is reliable. And those three things, he cannot deny his word. Right. Think about how powerful that is. Right. He cannot deny his word because he holds his word above his name, it yeah. says in Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. And his name is all powerful. Right. And at the mention of his name, demons come out. Yeah. At the mention of his name, problems vanish from your life. If you believe in his name. Some of you cry in his name, but you don't believe on his name. You cry about it. You have your pity parties about it. You have your questions. Why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? If it's happened to me, it's happened to a million other people too. And just when you want to go ahead with God, get ready because the enemy actually believes in your destiny more than you do. And he will try to stop that from happening in every way. You don't even believe you have a destiny. You're just going through a cycle of life like everybody else did before you. Come on. You were born during this time in 2018 to have the greatest outpouring of the greatest blessing of the greatest season yes. that this world has ever known. Yes. You have been called in divine order and you are alive at this point for, a, for not a moment but for a purpose. And your purpose and your destiny, many of you don't know it because you're so busy talking about all the things that you don't have or all the things that are wrong with you that even if God wanted to do something, he couldn't do it. Why? Because you're always thinking about what he hasn't done in your life already and you're ungrateful. Yes. 
So let's read this again. Verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Among the mature. Ask yourself the question, what is my maturity level? Do I always have to be proven everything? Well, I'll believe that when I see it. Well, I'll see what happens with him, and then I'll believe God. Maybe if it, if it works for the other guy or the other gal, then I'll believe God. Let me, let me try it out a little bit. Let me see about this faith stuff. If God can heal her, then I, I well, maybe, I, maybe, not even really, yeah. but maybe I'll believe God for what I need. Just maybe I might. You're always having to be proved everything. You're like a... You're like a computer that ha has, has no faith. It just goes from information to information to information to information. And whatever, whatever puts information is put in that could be a lie. It could be truth. But you believe it because you read or heard somebody said. Who's that somebody? Is that somebody God? Is that somebody the Holy Spirit? Or is it just, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I can, I can believe that. That just keeps me comfortable. That, that keeps me complacent. That just keeps me empty with searching again for God. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We all know that's devils and demons who are, who are coming to nothing, and they're the ones who put stupid thoughts in your head that keep you from God. But you're smarter than that, aren't you? You don't listen to those thoughts anymore, or do you? Do you listen to those thoughts? Do you have to feel bad for yourself? Do you have to feel sorry for yourself? Or do you stand up in the morning and you proclaim who Jesus is in your life, and you proclaim, I'm not going down, I'm going over, and I'm not frustrated, I'm blessed, I'm anointed, God's going to take care of this problem, I don't care who's knocking at my door, I don't care who's there, I don't care what bill I owe, I don't care what situation I'm in, he's more than enough. He's more than enough. You're not, you're not enough, but he is. He's more than enough. Why do we always have to go through all these Plan A and B and C, and if this doesn't work, let's try this, and if that doesn't work, let's try this, and well, if that doesn't work, let's go over and do this. And then after you've exhausted everything, then God speaks, because you finally shut up, and you listen. You say, well, that was easy. Why didn't I do that the first time? And many times, you know, I was talking yesterday to Lonnie, and so many times, many times the first thought, or I, should, I should say all the time, let right. me just be bold enough right. to say all the time, yes. when you're asking God for a situation, I related it yesterday to somebody who's having to move with an adrenaline to move, to have the supernatural strength to do something that you couldn't do normally, you all know what I'm talking about, right. and you, you, you rise to the occasion, and afterwards you say, how did I do that? You know, how did, I, how did I pull up and do that? Because there's nobody else around to do it. You had to do it. Yeah. You couldn't look to somebody else to do it. You couldn't try to convince them, I need some help. No, it was just you. Yeah. So you did it. And you don't know how you did it. That was the first thought that came to your mind, what you had to do. You just did it. Yeah. Right? right? But why is it when, when God speaks to us and he tells us to do something, we, 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 well, I have to pray about that. 
He just gave you the answer. Now you're going to pray about what? Waste your time, waste God's time, listen to dead prayers, and then what? The first thing that God tells you to do unequivocally is the thing that he wants you to do. And if you check it out in your own life, you can say many, many times over, I wish I would have done my first thought. But you didn't because you got into reasoning. You got into thinking it through and praying it through and talking to 10 people who don't know anything about what you're going through and getting their advice. And then you got more confused. So you end up doing nothing, then you got a bigger mess. So verse 7 says, no, we speak of God's secret wisdom. A wisdom that has been hidden and God has destined for our glory, our glory. Everybody say our glory, my glory. Say my glory. My glory. My glory. You have glory. He's the glory and the lifter of your head. He is glory. But who lives inside of you? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So it's my glory. So I'm going to take my glory and I'm going to release the glory of God over people. I'm going to release the anointing of God over people. I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to do whatever I have to do, like the mind that gets electrocuted. I didn't have to think, should I pray for him or should I bury him? No, I, my first thought was, I'm get, he's getting prayed for and he's, he's not going to die. I, that was my first thought. I didn't think, oh, well, what would happen? I, you know, I didn't have all those thoughts. My first was, get over there and pray for him. And all these other people were gathered around looking, you know, to see. And I said, if you don't, if, if you don't believe he can live and not die, get out of here. Yeah. I said, I don't need any observers here. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. And they looked at me. I said, yeah, get out. Carrie put her hands on, her, on, his, on his chest. I put my hands on his head, and I said, life, come forth. I didn't have a debate. What do you think? You think we should pray for him? I don't know. Do you think he's supposed to die? Maybe he's, that's, maybe he's supposed to go to hell today. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> maybe this is his time, and, you know, God just puts everything in place, and maybe, you know. Really? Why would I be there at the time he dies, and to look at him die? He said, well, maybe I can help with the funeral. <laughs> Stop thinking like the devil and think like God. Have the wisdom of God. Stop always rejecting God and calling yourself a Christian. You don't have the right to call yourself a Christian if you reject God. A Christian is Christ-like. You're not Christ-like when you reject God. You're not. When I see a five-year-old girl casting the devil out of somebody who's only been, in, you know, only been saved for like two years. She got saved when she was three. She's sitting in the front row of the church listening to the pastor, everything he says. And I come up on her. Come out of him. Come out. Come out. So do you want some help? Oh, no, pastor. It's just a devil. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, really? Does it really have to do... Oh, I'm really old in the faith, and I have a lot of wisdom. No, you don't. You're still living a religious, dead, boring life. 
You're just old, dead, and boring. <laughs> because you don't want God to move. You wouldn't know what to do if he did. You, you'd almost have a heart attack if God moved, actually. It'd have to raise you from the dead. That's how faithless people become. They, they become so accustomed to normality yes. that they just think everything dead is normal. Yeah. So now, as God says right here, he said, none of the rulers, verse 8, would have understood it. Had they have understood it, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus. If the devil knew what was going to happen when Jesus raised from the dead, well, I've all heard that, he would have never killed Jesus. But that was Jesus' destiny. And he had to lay himself, lay his life down. He laid his life down. No one took his life. He laid his life down. In the same way we lay our life down. And one time God asked me 10 years ago, well, I was like 30 years ago, are you willing to be a martyr? I said, no. <laughs> I'm not. And then, you know, 10 years later, are you willing to be a martyr? Maybe. Well, and then after, you know, 30 years, are you willing to be murdered? Yeah, because I might be anyway down here. <laughs> I might as well go out as a martyr. <laughs> At least the Pope could make me a saint or something, you know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's the way we think, you know. I don't want to be a martyr, you know. But yet those guys understood repentance. Peter, the apostle Paul, understood repentance. They understood that. And those guys, I mean, Peter said, I, I'm not even worthy to be crucified. You know, i got to be crucified upside down because I'm unworthy to be crucified like Jesus. And I think sometimes he might have still carried in the back of his mind that guilt, that, that guilt in the back of his mind to really deserve the same type of death. I deserve a worse death than him because I denied him. I think that might have been there. I don't know. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but, you know, could have been. And then it says, very importantly, verse um, 9, however, as it is written, and this is the point that we start the sermon right here. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. If you love him, I mean, we have a lot of lip service. You know, you have a lot of, nobody knows what love is here. The world doesn't know what love is. They get divorced every three years. They commit themselves, I love you. Well, let's get a prenuptial agreement because I don't know how long I'm going to love you. I don't love you till death do us part, but, you know, I love you. You know, and some of you marry the wrong person. Now you're stuck with them, and you mess up, and you wish you wouldn't have, and now you're frustrated because you have to live with that the rest of your life. But the world says, go ahead. Re be uh, promiscuous. You know, sleep around. Try them out. Find out who's better. Then you get married and you try to figure out, well, this wasn't as good as the one I had last week, you know. 
But now you're stuck with that one. So then you're not faithful to her, and then you have adultery, and then you're going to mess up your life. That's the world system. You think you're a Christian for the weekend or what? It's a lifestyle. It's a commitment. Be holy as I am holy. Be righteous as I am righteous. Your own righteousness, showing God how you can sing and dance and pray and go through the motions is as filthy rags, the Bible says. It's nothing. It doesn't mean anything to God, showing, showing him a, a demonstration, but nothing from the heart. God wants your heart. And your heart, he'll have your attitude. And with your attitude, he'll have your commitment. And with your commitment... He'll have your tenacity that you'll do anything he says to do. You'll say, yes, sir. You're not going to argue. You're not going to debate. You're not going to say, not me, to somebody else. That's what I said when he first told me I'm going to preach the gospel around the world. You got the wrong guy. That's what I told him when I went to Haiti, not me. You know, those things go on in your mind until finally, after a couple times of you always being wrong and he's always right, you do give in and say, okay, I'm not going to be happy doing anything else. I can't say I'm happy doing this now. I can't say I'm happy going through all these things, but I'm fulfilled in God. I can't say I'm happy dealing with death. and I can't say I'm happy dealing with situations that are painful, but I'm fulfilled. I feel like I'm in my call. I feel like I'm in my destiny. And when I'm in my destiny, my call, I can face all adversities and know that he will be there for me 100% of the time. He has got my back. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never leave me alone because he will always be there for me. Let us go back just just a second. If we just read this. No eye has seen. You haven't seen what God's prepared for this church. You haven't seen the reason why you came to this church yet. You're still trying to figure out why am I here. I like the services. I like the preachings. Or I don't really like the services, but I feel called to the church. Because you're still fighting yourself in a place you don't know where you fit. Anybody understand that? I don't know where I fit. How many don't know where they fit yet? Yes, we don't know where we fit, but no eye has seen where you fit. No mind can understand where you fit. Because what? God has prepared a place for us where we're going to fit, but each thing we do now is preparing us for the call and the anointing and the place that we'll be. And you don't understand, you think you're done with that. Oh, that church is so big. I don't know how we're going to do that dealership. It's just such a big job. It's overwhelming. Oh, my God. And I'm going to get committed to something, and it's going to be a mess. And I don't know. We're going to see it happen. And, you know, how are we going to find all that money? And how are we going to keep it running? And I think you really bit off more than you can have, Pastor. I don't even know if I can trust you anymore. (laughs) And, you know, small towns are, you know... Little thinking. Yeah, the, the small town people just think little. Oh, why do we need that car? That's good enough. Am I stepping on toes? Or? I don't see nobody running out, lock the door back there. 
<laughs> and no eye has seen, and you haven't even seen yet where God's going to take you. You don't know, but you can know. But you can grow more than you're growing now. You're, you, some of you become stagnant in your growth. And when you become stagnant in your growth, it's because you're being pulled by the world in a reasoning mode. You start to reason things out, and you become lazy, and you become complacent. And then you have some people that do all the work in the church, and they don't even understand the vision of where they're going, but they're just going to work to do what their hands find to do because they believe that God's about to do something, even though they don't know what it is. I had, I had a, a, and I think you're going to enter into this, Pastor Lonnie and Colleen, you're going to end up with a, a time of birthing of the vision. Your vision hasn't really been birthed yet. It's not even clear how big it is, like you, you mentioned this morning. I don't really know how big it is, but I've seen it. And sometimes you can't say everything you see because it makes you nuts. People think you're crazy. You know, I've had to learn that in Haiti because if they don't see something in a week, you know, they don't believe it. I've been waiting for 30 years for something that's just happening now. You know, it's, it's God's timing. You know, there's no time with God. It's, and many, many times I see that the timing of God depends on you. He's waiting for you. It's not, not, not you waiting for God. I'm just waiting for God to do something. No, he's waiting for you. You know, he's waiting for you to get yourself in line, to prepare your heart, to sow the seed. The Bible says, and I had a vision of this um, two weeks ago, where the plow was overtaking the sower. It talks about that in, in Joel, I think. Where the plower overtakes the sower. The sower sows the word, but the ground is being prepared behind where it's almost passing the sower because that's how quick things God's going to do. A quick work in these last days. There's going to be release of finances, and I almost hate to say it because some of you say, hmm, but you have to go, hmm, <laughs> in the next months beyond your understanding. And it's going to come from places you don't even, don't even comprehend how or where, and you may not even know where it came from. Who cares? Exactly. Well, who gave that? Who's been holding on to that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> who died? <laughs> Somebody always has to die and leave the money. You know, <laughs> who died? You know, <laughs> it's like it's like, oh, she died. Maybe, she, maybe she's gonna help. You know. <laughs> She gave it all to her dog or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, that happened. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> God has prepared for those that love him. Do you love him? Yes. Now, would you die for him? Yes. Do you love him enough to say, I'll die for him? Yes. Not really, not yet. Some of you, yes. In fact, your flesh has to die to be able to love him. You can't live in two worlds and serve God. You don't have a hat for church and a hat for outside of church. 
You know, I used to always hear in Haiti, this is my church life and this is my private life. I said, well, you don't have a church life then because <laughs> there's no double life here. Right. You're not in one week. You're not dancing with the devil on Monday and worshiping God on Sunday. Right. Don't work like that. And that happens many times because of a watered-down gospel that causes you to, to accept anything as okay. And that's what the world does right now. And you see what happened because the world has accepted all the things that were being exposed, sexual scandals and all kinds of things that are coming to light and perversion and things that you never thought would come out are coming out. And there's going to be a lot more coming out that we are going to be shocked. Some of you be shocked. I won't be, but many of you be shocked because God's going to lay everything bare. And he's going to restore the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. So now are you righteous or are you in between or are you still part of the wicked system? But he's going to restore the wealth of the wicked laid up for the just. He will restore it. Say, God will restore it. The righteous shall be restored. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. So it's out of your understanding. Just forget about the vision being too big for you. If it's too big for you, just quadruple it, and it's still too small. Can you imagine a whole town worshiping God? Come on. Come on. Can you imagine all the drug dealers shut down, nobody to deal with? All the pill poppers gone? All the alcoholics, all the drinkers don't desire any more drink. All they want to do is worship God. Sounds like it couldn't be, but it's coming. And those churches that never worship God or just want to be seeker friendly, they'll all fold up and they'll all be looking for a place to come. And they'll come from hours to come to your church. And they'll drive for... For days, it'll be like Toronto, or it'll be like um, Florida in um, Brownsville, where people lined up at night with their sleeping bags to get in for the next service, and they had services every day. And you guys need to get ready for that, because that's what's coming. Even though you don't believe it, it's going to happen with or without you. But if I were you, I'd be on the forefront, because you'll have plenty of other people to pull in that don't want to believe it. But God is prepared for those who love him. The love is going to permeate the area and the air. The freet, sweet fragrance of the Holy Ghost is going to sweep through. The anointing of God, the glory of God will be like a cloud over your city. The peace of God will transcend all understanding and people like, like in Haiti, people will come by, drive by the church on their way to Texas on 35, and they'll somehow find their way in the parking lot at the altar repenting. People will come by your church and be drawn in by a Holy Ghost and a presence. And there'll be times there'll be nobody preaching. It'll be a time 
where the Holy Ghost will move with signs and wonders and nobody has to say a thing because God will be showing off his power. It won't be about a man. It'll be about him. You believe it? It's a, it's a pinch of what's coming. There'll be none sick among you. You're not going to be praying for your own health anymore. You're not going to be dealing with all your sicknesses and ailments. People will be coming in to be prayed for by you. The healing lines and the power of God will flow through you. And you will carry the glory of God. And when people come in the church, they'll be healed before they sit down in the church. And they'll be worshiping God and they'll be plugged into what God's doing because they got healed before they even got in the church. They'll be healed in the parking lots. They'll be healed in the foyer. They'll be healed by the presence of God. The minute they touch the soil of that church, God is going to move in their life. They'll be weeping, crawling to the church to get to him. I see that in Haiti. Why can't it happen here? I believe it can happen here. I see it can happen here. That God has no favorites. All you have to do is love him. Yes. It's time to stop being like the Egyptians, living in hell and in slavery for 400 years, saying that God was going to deliver them. They didn't even believe it anymore. They didn't believe Moses, that he was real, the son of Pharaoh. They didn't believe that he was going to be a leader. And yet Mo Moses was weak. He had to go... 40 days in the desert, 40 nights, and hear from God in a burning bush and still say to you, somebody else, not me, I've got stammering lips, I stutter, and I can't talk in front of people, and I'm going to lead all those Jews to a promised land that I don't even know exists. You think about that. And you think about all the miracles God's done in your life. Has anybody had a miracle in your life? Has anybody been healed? Has anybody been saved? Has anybody had, a, had something happen that without God in your life, you'd be dead? I could tell you testimonies for hours about that. Without him, I'd be dead many times over. Who would I be not to believe God? How would it be to backslide after all that? How could I slap God and crucify Christ over and over again by being a dog and going back to the vomit? How could I misappropriate the gospel and say I love Jesus one day and then live like the devil two weeks later? You don't really love him. You just use him. You just manipulate him to try to get him to do what you want him to do. And when he doesn't do it because you don't have faith in it, you leave him. You say he can't deliver you off drugs. No, because you don't want to be free. Oh, I want to be free. No, that's why you go back to it. Oh, you don't understand. Oh, yeah, I do. I've watched people demon-possessed. And if you, got, if you got a drug addiction problem, you got devils. Because you can't overcome in yourself, in your own strength. You need the devil cast out of you. Well, how can you say that? Because I've seen it. And I know it. 
And if I look at you now, I can see some of you that have certain demons that control you, even try to stop from hearing the truth of the Word of God, whispering stupid things. Your mind can't even concentrate for 10 minutes. You're off on something else. So we see that the Israelites lived in a, in a, in a whole commune of unbelief. God fed them from heaven with man every day, and they had to believe God. They didn't have to believe God. They didn't even want to believe God. They just stood there like dumb birds with their mouths open, and God threw food in their mouth. Really? Moses fought, gave them what they wanted, always wanted to please the people, wanted to be liked and accepted. Aaron went, did what they wanted, built him a golden calf, backslid. After God did all this, brought him through the Red Sea, watched their enemy destroy him. Brought him into a desert and fed him and gave him water out of rocks. When they complained about food, he gave them meat. When they complained about meat, they went on to the next thing to complain and complain and complain. Stop complaining. Don't be an Israelite in the desert from Egypt. You came out of Egypt. And they wanted to go back to Egypt too. Just what you do, bring us out here to die. Let us go back to, to Egypt and be slaves. You want to be slaves to sin? You want to be slaves to drugs? You want to be slaves to pornography? You want to be slaves to yourself? Too hard. Too difficult. Well, the promised land's just over there, a couple miles away. You think you can make it two miles? Nope. Joshua says, we can do it. The next generation, like you, says we can do it. The next generation of people from Kansas City area, Cameron, Liberty, South Sear Springs, St. Joe's, all of you can do it. All of you can do it. So Joshua goes with Caleb and the rest of the ten come back. No, nope, we're going to die over there. Well, so God brought us through the desert with these stupid, lazy, dumb, unbelieving Jews and we're going to die in the desert. That is pretty stupid when you think about it. Right? They took all the gold, all the silver out of Egypt, and they had everything they needed to go to the promised land where God promised to bring them. And only two people, Joshua and Caleb, came back and said, yeah, we can do it. But we're not going to take the generation that didn't believe me. They're going to die in the desert because they cursed themselves and they would not believe me. They would not go with the generation that didn't want to believe God. The children of that generation watched their parents do stupid things for many years. Make a golden calf. Complain, 
have reverie, have orgies, have all kinds of things that their children had to grow up and watch their parents and learn from them. And they said, I'm not doing that. Joshua and Caleb says, we will not be like our forefathers were. We shall be a generation a generation that stands up, a generation that goes ahead, a generation that will go into the promised land and believe God and will die for our purpose, but we will not shrink back. We will not return. We will not go back like our forefathers. And when Moses passed that mantle and that anointing to Joshua, he rose up with a new authority He rose up with a new dominion. He rose up with a greater vision and a greater purpose and a greater anointing. And he rose up fearless. Fearless to enter into a land they've not been before. They saw. Joshua and Caleb saw where they were going. Those other ten spies died with the rest of them because they would not believe God. But they saw where they were going, and they went. And they refused to go back to Egypt. It's not the end of the story. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of your story. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're 10 to 90. God's got a call. He's got a destiny. He's got a rejuvenation of your strength. He's got an anointing that your years will be reversed and your age will be reversed and the curse of of sickness and disease will be removed. And I like that when the Bible says, is in James, if there should happen to be any sick among you, I guess there's nobody who's sick here today, so let's just, because that was very... I don't want to be nasty, but it was shameful to be sick because of the power and the blood of Jesus. It was like, sick? Why? When they had a lot more to deal with than you and I did, right? You think about it. I mean, I don't see anybody riding for five days on a donkey or, you know, to go somewhere to preach. Too cold out. I don't think I'll go to church today. It's raining. (laughs) I just stay home and watch TV. But God, verse 10, I'm almost done. I'll I'll stop. I'll save some for tonight. Don't worry. I just could do that too. I've done that before. (laughs) But God revealed it to us by his spirit. Here we go. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. How many want the deep things of God? We haven't even surfaced the deep things of God. We don't even know what the deep things of God were. Our our eyes are so clouded through a dark glass, we don't even see how big it is that God wants to do in our life. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. 
We have not received the spirit of the world, here we go, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand. Are you listening? That we may understand. Say it again. That we may understand what God has freely given us. That's why I say, for me to fail is for God to fail, and he never fails. God has already given everything that you need to fulfill your destiny. Jesus said, it's finished, it's finished. Every time you don't believe God, do you think he has to go and die on the cross again so you believe him? No, you believe a lie or you believe the truth. You believe the author of faith or you believe the author of lies and confusion. There's only two worlds, a world of darkness and the devil and the world of light, and they don't mix. It's not gray. It's white or black, black or white. And when you try to compromise your walk with God and you try to think that you can get by with something for a season, you'll find out that season turns into a nightmare. Because once you've left the things of God, it's ten times harder to come back and get in line because you have a lot of baggage to deal with and you can't misappropriate faith and you can't abuse grace and you cannot keep thinking you can get by with the same thing and be at the same level without a lot of work to get there. Yeah. It's going to take a lot more than repentance and you just slip in and left off. Yeah. <coughs> Go where you left off. It doesn't work like that. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it's not. His ways are higher than our ways. And God wants to reveal everything that you need to know is already in your spirit. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website, passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry. 